Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, we are actually wrapping up our uh, chapter 6 of Galatians. We have been spending our summer in a series called Letters, which has been basically various cities around the world during the time of Jesus and after when the disciples. And so the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the people of the region of Galatia, okay? And so we've been just walking through verse by verse by verse, passage by passage, and uh, today is the end of Galatians. And here's a really cool thing about Galatians, about this, 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 this series, I should say, is that today we're going to finish a book of the Bible. And for some of you in the room, this may be your first time you've ever actually read through an entire book of the Bible. And I want to say that if you've gotten anything out of this this series this summer, it can continue for you every day of your life because God's word is powerful. If you felt like over the last few weeks, the several weeks that we've been through this, that we've gone week to week, you can sort of see how it builds on itself, right? It's because it's a letter. He wrote it in order. And so if you have felt like God was speaking to you, that can happen every day if you read your Bible. So I encourage you today, pull out your Bibles, pull out your tablets, your smartphones, whatever, turn them on. I want to see that bright glow on your face. I saw one. I saw someone activate their phone. That's great. Download the Bible app guys, because we're going to go through chapter 6 today. So here we are, right? So we've been uh, going through Galatians, and quickly, Galatians is really a, a hard-hitting book. And guys, I'm telling you, it's been tough as a pastor to be able to, to share this, and I know that some of it feels like we've been repeating ourselves a lot. The reason Paul wrote this entire letter to the people of Galatia was because they were leaving the gospel behind. They were letting other people dictate to them what their salvation was about. And so he's been talking about the Jewish customs and how none of those things really make a difference in your life. It's solely about who Jesus is and following after him and not allowing the world to dictate to us what we believe. And this is extremely important for us as modern-day Christians, because our world has a ton of opinions. Our world is changing, and everywhere you go, someone's got an opinion and has a backed-up way of showing you what they believe and why. And so it's more important than ever now for us to know what we believe, but also as Christians to know why we believe it. You see, Paul was saying to them, hey, remember when I first came to you? Remember when I first came and I shared the message of Jesus to you? You were so excited to hear all about what, what, what Jesus could, could do in your life. And then I left and went to other cities and did the same thing. And then people have come and told you different things. And in our modern day context, that's the same thing, right? You may have grown up in the church or maybe you read your Bible for a while, but then you kind of fell away from it. You decided you weren't going to do it as much anymore. And now, you know, because of the society we live in, our culture is so strong, particularly in America, that we end up maybe changing our thoughts or getting lax on our faith on things. And so Paul has been saying, no, 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 remember where the authority in your life is. And week one, we asked the question, is our life being, is our faith being dictated, our beliefs being dictated more by our culture or is it more by God's word? And so Paul just has been hammering that for five chapters. Well, today he's going to finish up and kind of just say everything is summed up here in the concept of that we harvest what we plant. We harvest what we plant. He gives a few brief list of examples in Galatians chapter 6, and it's going to be on the screen here. Let's go through it together. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens 
And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. So what's he talking about here? This concept of harvesting what you plant, right? So here he's talking about relationships. He said we should plant, sow seeds into relationships. If we want people in our lives to help us stay on track, if we want people to encourage us, if we want people to to help us, you know, have the faith when we're down, if we need people to, to lift us up, then we need to do the same thing for other people. He said, he said we should help people back onto the track. And this is particularly useful to us because most of us, if we see a friend who's getting into something they shouldn't be getting into, something that's not healthy, we go, well, I don't, wanna, I don't want them to feel like I'm judging them. But you know what's funny? The Bible says, and this is where people in the world all the time say, oh, I thought Christianity wasn't about judging. Well, it's not about judging, but the Bible is very clear that within the house, Right Within people who are our brothers and sisters, the Bible is very clear that we are not supposed to be judging per se, but we should definitely be in their lives, and we should be telling them, hey, that's not healthy. And I think the problem is why we have so many dysfunctional churches is because we've got people who are afraid to tell their brother or their sister that they're not healthy. If I see someone in my church, if I'm going out to lunch or out to dinner with somebody or if I'm friends with them on Facebook or we're hanging out or we're at Monday Night Football or whatever and I hear them talking about stuff that's not healthy in the sense of like that this is damaging them or this is leading to an unhealthy lifestyle, I have a responsibility not just as a pastor but as their brother in Christ to say, hey, I care about you and I see where this is leading you. That's what he's saying, right? Let's invest in relationships. If we, if we plant into relationships, we will harvest healthy relationships. What's another example? Verse four, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. How many of us compare ourselves to other people all the time? I do it all the time. Our society is built on the concept of comparing to other people. The magazines that we look at, People Magazine or E! News Network, right, on TV, right? Everything. We live in a celebrity-driven culture, and we cannot help but uh, compare ourselves to other people. And it goes all the way down to life. Brothers and sisters and families compare themselves to others. Oh, the firstborn gets all of this stuff, so the middle child is often trying to, to live up to those things. And then, then the baby child, you know, all these different things. It happens in families. It happens at work. It happens happens everywhere we go. We're always comparing ourselves to other people. But what he's saying here is that you should plant into your best effort to harvest satisfaction. Because what did he say here? He said, pay careful attention to your own work. He says, you focus on what God has given you to do. And I can tell you honestly that this has made all the difference in my life. It's not a secret. I've told you before that I spent the first year of this church plant in a pretty rough place. Not in the sense that God wasn't doing work, but you know what? I felt like I missed out on a lot of joy in our first year as a church plant because I was comparing myself to other pastors and other cities, feeling like, God, why isn't that happening here, what's happening there? I feel like we've got a pretty good thing here in Encounter Church, and I had to wrestle through that. And you know what happened to me? The moment that I began to be understanding of what God wanted for me here in my time right now was the moment I began to be satisfied with what God has me doing. And that's the thing. That's what he's saying here. He says, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. He's saying if you, if you plant, if you put seeds into the thing that God has for you now, if you're content with what God has for you now and say, God, I don't understand why I don't have this or that, but I'm happy with what you have for me here. I'm going to put everything I've got into the thing that you've given me right now. 
what you'll find is you'll find a satisfaction in your life that you will not get if you're constantly worrying about why can't I have? Why can't I have? Does that make sense? That's what God's word is teaching us. So best effort. Let's put our best into what we have now and watch what God does. He continues with another example. Verse six, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. What he's saying here is investment. He says, he says plant into, invest in the lives of those people who are investing in you. So I'm just gonna say that now. If anybody has Steeler tickets, I'll take them. No, so I'm not, I'm, but seriously, no. Okay, so what he's saying here, here's the word that I thought of was planting seeds from fruit, okay? So this is not just for your pastor, this is for anyone. If you have anybody in your life who is, who is sowing into you and there is fruit coming from that, right? If you find yourself growing, it could be a teacher at school. If you find a boss or a leader at work who is, who is helping you to grow, if your pastor at your church, is, if God's word is speaking to you through your pastor and there's fruit in your life growing from those things, what it's saying here is to, is to share the seed that comes from the fruit to plant more, right? So what it's saying here is invest in the people who have invested in you. If you, because I'm telling you, it's lonely at the top. And I'm not, we try to lead this church not from a position of, oh, look at your pastor. We try to lift everybody up. But I gotta tell you guys, if you, it's so much more gratifying when the people who you pour into, when they just tell you, hey, I want you to know this has changed my life. It means the world. Or when you are at work, you know, when your boss has done something, you see something in your life, it might be a good thing for you to, to maybe get a $5 gift card for your boss. And say, I, want, I appreciate you. You've put a lot of effort outside of work or whatever into my life. This is a hard concept for us to understand because we feel like the people above us are the ones who are supposed to be serving us, but not in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, everything flips. And he says that those who are at the lowest serve and that they are the leaders. And so he's talking about investment. If you want to grow yourself, if you want even more fruit to be in your life, he's saying invest back into the people who have invested in you. He keeps on going here. Verse seven, don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God. Now, it sounds kind of interesting. I was like, what? what does that mean? You can't mock the justice of God. I think what he's saying is that this principle of sowing and reaping, of planting and harvesting is irrevocable. So he's saying you can't change it just because you want it to be different. He says you will always harvest what you plant. I mean, think about that for a second. If you plant a cucumber seed, you're not going to grow a tomato. It just doesn't happen. You will always harvest what you plant. He continues, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Remember last week we talked about the fruits of the sinful nature, things like anger, jealousy, sexual immorality, lust, violence, you know, like death, decay. All of those things are the things if we allow our sinful nature that's naturally within us to run rampant, we will have those things. He says, But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is right and what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Here's the thing. If a farmer plants a seed and he plants his whole field and then he looks at it and he wakes up the next morning and he runs outside to his field to see if he has corn all of a sudden that's like eight feet tall, he's going to be sorely disappointed. And he goes out the next day, and he goes out the next day, and he goes out the next day, he's going to be disappointed 
because it's not going to grow that fast. The same thing is true in our life, and I think that's why Paul was saying, let's not get tired of doing what's right. Let's continue to plant the seeds of good things. Let's continue to plant the seeds that are going to lead to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, all the other ones, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. There are nine of them, and we talked about them last week. If you want those things in your life, you have to plant into them every day. And it can be tiring. How many days does that farmer go, I just don't want to get up. Yesterday it was back-breaking work. But if he doesn't get up and he doesn't till the soil, if he doesn't do his job, then he may not harvest what he planted. In the end, the sun could scorch the seeds or if he doesn't water his garden. I mean, some of you guys know this, especially in this urban area, a lot of urban gardens popping up around. If you don't water your garden, you're going to end up with nothing. You've got to take care of it. And it says, he says, do not be misled, folks, so let's not get tired of what's doing what is good, and at the right time we will reap the harvest. So continue to do good. I know some of you have said, I feel like I've worked all my life to do the right thing. When's it going to pay off for me? And I would say to you, continue to trust God. The principle works. You plant, you will harvest what you plant. He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. He's saying to us, guys, when you're out about in the city, when you're out talking to people, when you see a homeless person, when you have an opportunity to go do an outreach like the back-to-school bash, and you're tired, man, I'm so busy, get up off your butt, out of, out of your bed, and get to these outreaches. Get to, you know, the, get money out of your wallet and give it to the homeless person. This is a hard word, guys, but I'm telling I'm speaking to myself too, because how many times do you feel, do I feel, like, you know what, is this really doing any good? Is this going to help anything? And guys, listen, I'm, I'm proud of my church. So I'm not saying like get up out of your bed to your outreach is like because you're not. What I'm saying is, is I know the feeling of being tired. And when he says do not get tired of doing what is good, you have got to kick yourself in the gear and say I got to do this because I know that if I'm faithful to it, that God is going to bless this effort. This is why. I mean, our church is not big. You know, we've got like 60 people in the room, and that's incredible. I have dreams for this church being bigger, not because I want this to come to me, but because I want more people to know Jesus. And why do I get up every Sunday morning to do this? Why does our dream team come here every week and lift things and move it into place? Because we are all planting seeds and believing God for the harvest that will come one day. Why do we do a back-to-school bash? Why do we do the, the big hunt? And we, and we have 100 people come. We have 800 people come. We're out there serving, and then one person shows up to church, maybe. And people go, man, that's so discouraging. No, it's not. We're planting seeds. And one day, God's going to call the harvest in for those people. Do not get tired. This concept of harvesting what was planted and reaping what you sown is all throughout Scripture. This is a principle that has been designed by God. And so here's a practical question I would ask you. Look at your life. What fruit are you growing? What fruit are you growing in your life? What is harvested in your life? When you think about that, the things that you've planted and you have fruit, are you happy with the fruit that's in your life? The things that, that have come because of what you've sown in your life? Your actions, the things you sow or plant, will ultimately come into what you harvest, what you reap. You make bad decisions you're going to have a consequence. You understand this concept? What is harvested and what are you planting? Think about that. My daily life, the attitudes, the way I talk to people, the places that I go, the TV shows I watch, the music I listen to, the magazines, the news outlets, whatever. What is it that you're planting in your life and what are you harvesting? 
sow into the Spirit, sow into God's principles, and reap his blessings and his fruit. So then Paul finishes the chapter here with his final advice. Verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my handwriting. I love this, that it's a letter. He literally wrote bigger on the paper so that they would know how important what he was saying here. Those of you who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. Again, he's hearkening back to these people who have said, in order to be saved, you have to follow the old customs, okay, of Jewish customs. He said, those people don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save them. These people were worried that if they went back to their friends and said, hey, you know what, I'm Jewish, but I don't believe I have to do this anymore because Jesus has set me free from the law. He, they were worried that they were going to get made fun of or be persecuted by their buddies. How many of us are worried that we're going to be persecuted by our friends at work for our faith? In verse 13, and even those who advocate circumcision, they don't even keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. And this is what I love right here. As for 14, as for me, this is Paul, the apostle, the great legendary Paul, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, because of what he did on the cross for us, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me also has died. What he's saying here is that the things that I once thought were important, the things that I once thought were so critical to my life, my job, my career, my house, where I live, how much food I'm going to have, the tattoos on my arms, all of these things that I thought were so important, the people I knew, he said, none of those things are really relevant in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. It doesn't matter, and I'm adding here, whether you're black, whether you're white. It doesn't matter where you came from, where you live, how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter what church you go to. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. This is Paul laying it down. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and his mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. And he closes here, from now on, don't let anybody trouble me with these things. I love this. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. What scars do you have on your body? Not even saying like in a negative sense, like is there anything on your body, spiritually speaking, that people show I belong to Jesus Christ? What is it in your life? I mean, this is a man who, who was willing to go to city, to city, to city, and just unabashedly share the good news of Jesus because he had been transformed. He's a new person. Paul was a murderer. He was the man who was hunting down Christians, and he had an encounter with Jesus. The reason we call this church Encounter Church is because we believe that that same encounter, that same moment is possible for all of us. Every one of us can meet the living God, that he, and that when we come face to face with him, that when we have a moment with him, whether reading our Bibles and he speaks to us, or when I'm praying, or when I'm out on a countryside, I look out at a vista, and I think, wow, God is here. In those moments, and you have an encounter with God, we should walk away different. We should be changed. His words, as we plant his words into our lives, it should harvest fruit of transformation. We should not be the same person. We shouldn't talk the same way that we used to. Our friends 
should know that we're Christians because of just because of who we are. We should be exuding Jesus in our lives. It doesn't mean like every conversation has to like be Jesus juked. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean like you got to pull it back every time. But like, yeah, well, let me tell you about my McDonald's experience. I met Jesus there. The other day. No, like whatever it is in your life, like that's the thing. Paul couldn't help but talk about Jesus because it was just inside of him. You know what I mean? And so when it came up, he used it. And that's what it needs to be for us. I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And that is the end of the letter to the Galatians. I love that he ends it with grace. Grace. I mean, the whole letter was hard, right? He's like punching over and over again, hitting him in the face with like, I'm telling you, you need to know this. And I feel like that as, a, as your pastor this month, I've, I feel like every week has been like smack, 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 like with love. But, but, but that's what it's felt like. But in the end, he says, listen, this is a hard message. And if you get it, and that's what he said, right? He said, we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by that principle. If we live by the principle of this this sowing and reaping, if I sow into transformation that God wants to transform me, it will reap the harvest of a life that is transformed. We have to live like we want God to transform us by following his principles and, and trying to orient our life. And we sing that song, you know, when we sing that song, let all the other names fade away that Kylie said so eloquently, like it's not a name of a person, it's anything that is in the place of Jesus being Lord of our life. Right? Isn't that what we said at Cornerstone? Lord of all. Is he the Lord of all? And that's what Paul is saying, all this stuff. And then at the end, he goes, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I know this is a struggle. I know that this is a journey that every single one of us take every day. And that we mess up, we make mistakes. That it's hard, that it's hard for me to keep myself on, on point with this every day. When I go to work and I'm surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, it's hard. My family, some of my family members or your family members, they may not know Jesus. And, and you know, it's difficult to, to watch the news and not be influenced, right? But God's grace be upon you. His grace be on you that as long as you're pushing, Jesus, I want to walk towards you. As long as our trajectory is heading towards Jesus, our heart is in the right place. If we're moving, the excuses that we make that hold us back, the excuses, we need to leave them behind. And as we make mistakes, honest mistakes, He is faithful to forgive us and give us grace. And then it ends with amen. Amen is just a word that means let it be. Or in Battlestar Galactica, so say we all. That's right. All right. So here's some some practical thoughts. Yes, I'm a nerd. Sorry. (laughs) Practical thoughts. How does this apply to us today? And we're going to close this if our worship team wants to come back up. Number one, we harvest what we plant. This is something we talk about all the time at this church. We did it in our Blessed Life series, which I hope by now you understand is not just about money. It is everything. We harvest what we plant. We will reap what we sow. So let's plant into God's graciousness, God's goodness. The second thing is is that the proof that we belong to God is a transformed life. So for us, if you want to say, how do I know that, that God is, is, is that I'm a child of God. It's a transformed life. It's moving towards the life of being a new creation. Your friends will know that you are a follower of Jesus, not because you go to church, not because you give money to a church, and not because you have a Jesus tattoo, but because of your transformed life. So what steps should we take 
to respond. Number one, like Paul, identify with the cross of Jesus. Identify with the cross of Jesus Christ. He said that nothing in his life really matters anymore. Like, guys, it's not, it's not that those are bad things. It's good for us to have friends. It's good for us to enjoy the things that God has given us. Take pride in the house that God has blessed you with or the car that you have or the job that you have. That's a good thing. But do not allow it to become the focus. He's saying, I identify with the cross most. The cross is a place of sacrifice. It is a place of healing and forgiveness, but it is a place of ultimately submission to Jesus Christ. The second thing is allow the Spirit of God to infiltrate hidden areas of your life. This is, again, what Kylie was saying. I really believe the Holy Spirit spoke to her today. That It requires digging, right? Sometimes to plant seeds, we've got to root up weeds, and that means getting in there deep. I mean, I, sometimes I've been in my backyard trying to, like, get weeds out, and along the edges, and they're like thick roots of some of those weeds, you know? And in order for us to be able to plant something new there, sometimes you got to rip some stuff out and get in there pretty heavy. Allow the Spirit of God to infiltrate hidden areas of your life. That means being honest. That means getting on your knees or getting on your face in a quiet place, maybe here in just a moment or maybe at home, and saying, God, I want to be honest with you. I want to be honest with myself. Are there areas of my life that that are holding me back? Are there places that I have not been willing to let you in? Have there been locked doors in my heart that I'm not, I have not been willing to give you access to? And finally, begin planting seeds for new fruit. Come on! Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.